0: Hi everyone, this is Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to The Nutrition Diva's Quick and Dirty Tips for Eating Well and Feeling Fabulous. Recently, there's been a lot of talk in the news about red meat being bad for you. I want to talk today about the research, but also about what conclusions we can draw. A couple of months ago, you might remember, I did a series on the three most common nutrition traps, mistakes that even health-savvy people make today, I want to add a fourth one to the list. As one of my clever readers once quipped, there are two types of people in the world, those who divide everything into two groups and those who do not. I've noticed that people often feel a powerful urge to think of foods as being either good or bad. I guess it's a way to make this complicated business of food and nutrition a little simpler. But really, this is just silly. Obviously, something that's good for you in small quantities can be harmful in large quantities. I have some examples of that phenomenon in my episode on quality versus quantity. And something that's bad for you in large quantities can be perfectly harmless, or even beneficial, in small quantities. Last week, for example, the Harvard School of Public Health announced the latest in a series of studies finding that people who eat large amounts of red meat Have increased risk of heart disease, cancer, and a shorter life expectancy overall. And this unleashed a predictable media storm about red meat being bad for you. Completely lost in the shuffle was the part about the quantity involved. The increased disease risk was seen in people who ate two or more servings of red meat every single day. That's a lot of beef. Researchers found no increased risk in people who ate red meat or three times a week. So is red meat really bad for you? Or should we simply avoid eating it twice a day? Just today, I came across another headline suggesting that white rice increases your risk of type 2 diabetes. But when I clicked through to the study, it turned out that eating a lot of white rice can modestly increase your risk of type 2 diabetes. Is it really white rice as opposed to brown rice, bread, or other carbohydrate foods that's causing the problem here? Or is it simply excessive consumption of any grain or carbohydrate? I have my suspicions. And for more on those suspicions, see my episode, The Whole Truth About Whole Grains. The next time you encounter a news item about a food or an ingredient being bad for you, I want you to tune into the details. Is it harmful in any amount whatsoever, or only when consumed in excess? If it's being consumed in large quantities, are there other important foods that are being left out of the diet? What's being consumed along with it? The folks who are eating red meat twice a day, for example, how many vegetables are they eating on average? How many French fries? Could either of those things play any role in the observed outcome? Another thing to ask is what you're going to replace this so-called bad food with. After all, Back in the 1980s, when we all got it into our heads that fat was bad for us, we went hog-wild on low-fat foods that were much higher in sugar. In retrospect, it's clear that we jumped from the frying pan right into the fire. Now today, grains seem to be on the hot seat. Many people claim that grains are responsible for all kinds of diseases, and that no one can really be healthy until they eliminate them completely. But as I wrote on the Quick and Dirty blog earlier this week, whether eliminating grains can cure lots of health problems really depends on what else gets eliminated along with them and what you replace them with. And you can substitute any other food, food group, or ingredient for the word grains in the previous sentence. In other words, eliminating any major component from your diet is probably going to have a fairly profound impact on the overall nutritional composition of your diet. Any benefits you get may or may not have to do directly with eliminating that component. We spend an awful lot of energy these days talking about what's right and wrong with the modern diet. Although the villains may change from decade to decade, we continue to fall into the same trap. And I'm including researchers, policymakers, media, and consumers here. We keep trying to single out individual foods or nutrients as being the problem or the solution. Instead, we need to focus on the overall dietary pattern. How do all the foods we eat fit together? Do they add up to a complete balanced diet? Is anything missing? Do they perhaps add up to too much of a good thing? We'll never find one diet that's ideal for everyone. A lot depends on our biochemistry, but also on our food preferences, what's available to us, lifestyle, even our beliefs and values. The good news here is that there are a lot of ways to build a healthy diet, and few foods that can't be accommodated. I've posted links to the research I talked about today, as well as some other resources you might find interesting or useful in today's show notes. You'll find those along with the complete Nutrition Diva archives at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. You can post comments and questions on the show's webpage or on my Nutrition Diva Facebook page. And as you probably know, I answer a lot of those listener questions in my free weekly newsletter. So if you've sent a question my way, be sure you're signed up to receive that. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll be back next week with another quick and dirty tip. Until then, remember to eat something good for me.